Welcome to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast, where our team is helping people build their financial freedom. And one of the things we talk a lot about is saving and investing 25% of one's income. And I'm your host, Joel Farrell. And each week we dig into the ways that people are generating more income to be able to save more money and the ways that they are investing that hard-earned dollar. And lastly, the how, how people are making these changes. Because again, we're talking about changes. We're talking about changing behaviors. Let's get into today's content so we can help you on your financial journey towards living a life with the power of choice. Welcome back to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast. And I've got an amazing guest on today, Jonas Mitchell. And pumped up because we are lockstep in kind of our mission, our journeys, and t- trying to help uh, people out there enjoy the uh, the benefits of home ownership in its various forms. And um, Jonas, if you could give our listeners a little bit of a background on what you do and, and who you are. Sure. So my name is Jonas Mitchell, and I'm the owner of Scribble, which is a home buyer education company. So um, basically, I started off in real estate uh, from 2015 to 2021 and uh, noticed that there was a pretty significant gap uh, from the people who wanted to buy a home uh, but couldn't versus the people who just wanted to buy a home and could. So it was uh, about you know a good 30, uh, 32, 33% of people that are out there that uh, want to buy a home. And then every time they go and submit their application, they get denied, right? And it just happens over and over and over again. So uh, I decided to, at first, learn how to improve my own credit. Um, took me about eight months, four months of research, four months of um, actually working on it to go from a 535 to a 715. Uh, I started telling everyone how to do it. And their response to me was, uh, that's great, Jonas, but I'm really busy. Can you do it for me? And at the time I was their realtor. So uh, my response was no. I partnered with a, a company um, so that I can send them over to that company and just didn't get very good results. So I said, forget it. Um, it was a colleague and myself and we talked and we said, hey, let's just go ahead and start up uh, our own company. So we did. It's the logo you see behind me with Scribble. And uh, we started helping people improve their credit scores. And uh, once we did that, we basically found out that you can improve your credit scores and still get denied for a mortgage loan. So we had to kind of go all the way and make sure that as we're working with people, we don't just tell them, hey, we're going to fix your credit. Um, We actually sit down with them and we'll spend about 90 minutes or so. We go through their entire situation and we can actually show them what pitfalls they are facing uh, from getting approved. And we can make sure that they do, in fact, do that. So, and then they can, of course, go on and buy their home once they get approved. So before you dig too deep into kind of um, the logistics of what you do and the process of credit building and also the home buyer education that you do, why, why real estate? Why, why is it important for anybody to be thinking about? Yeah, real estate is something that, uh, and I'm not sure if everyone knows, but uh, it should be common knowledge, right? Real estate makes uh, probably more millionaires than just about anything else. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the gateway sort of to uh, financial freedom, right? Or retirement money and, and wealth building. Uh, because number one, in order for you to buy a home, you have to be fiscally responsible, right? Can't have any late payments or at least very few late payments. Um, you have to, you know, so pay your bills on time. You've got to save, you've got to build your credit, right? So there's there's things that you have to understand before you're ever going to be able to get into the home. So once you have that knowledge and then you get into the home and of course the real estate market has pretty much beat out just about every other type of <laughs> investment that's out there, including the stock market, right? Uh, with the exception of the few times where people get lucky and hit an apple or something like that. Um, but if you're looking, you know, end over end, uh, overall real estate is consistent, even when it dips, it comes back and it continues to get stronger. Uh, so to me, uh, that's why real estate was something that was important. Um, and, you know, I also have an uncle who's doing very well in it. Uh, so I also had a, a family connection as well. I love it. And, and, you know, that's, you know, really one of the reasons I'm even here having a podcast is that, you know, I'm in the mortgage industry. I got into real estate just kind of by default, learning, reading books, and then do a couple of things, buy a couple of houses. You see some successes over time. Like, oh, okay, that, that actually worked. Like, I need to do more of that and never had a mentor. And so like, you know, at the end of the day, what what type of formula can you pass on to the next person to be able to maybe accelerate their their path to be able to, to get into the game? Um, and getting in the game right here, right now, today, especially for a first-time homebuyer, is probably more challenging than ever. 
And yeah. there's data to back that up. And I've mentioned this before on other occasions that uh, from the National Association of Realtors, the average age of a first-time home buyer is now, I think, 36 compared to 28 just a few years ago. So that's rising as prices and rates are rising. Um, yep. w- what are you seeing kind of in your day-to-day uh, working with clients and pitfalls and challenges and and things like that? Yeah. So for someone who wanted to buy a home today, I would say um, the first thing you want to do is speak to someone like myself, uh, right? I know that um, it sounds kind of uh, where, where, you know, self, what's the word? <laughs> uh, selfish, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you should come talk to me. Um, but even if you're not talking to me, you should definitely speak with some sort of credit specialist, home buyer, counselor style person um, just to, to get the roadmap right, of what you need to do, because there is a very detailed blueprint um, that's there that you need to follow. So, for example, the average person who wants to buy a home, the first thing they they do is they're going to go online and they're going to start looking for homes, and then they might even get in their car and go to a couple of open houses, right, Uh, because they're trying to figure out, like, what they like and and all that good stuff. So then once they they realize, okay, cool, I I found a house that I like, and I really want to buy this house right here, you know, they may go to you, right? The lender. Um, and then they're going to submit that application. And then again, one out of three are going to get denied and then they're sad. And then that's just, you know, kind of the lay of the land. So instead of going that route, uh, the first thing you should do is actually just speak with uh, either a credit specialist or, like I said, uh, some sort of home buyer counselor where they can sort of walk you through the initial steps. Uh, and for those people who don't know, you know, you need to make sure that your credit scores are above a certain range, minimum 580. Um, but yes, uh, minimum 580. Um, but at the same time, of course, you want a much better credit score than that. Uh, so you get a much better interest rate, uh, but that's the entry level. And then um, your debt to income ratio. So making sure that you're not carrying too many loans or uh, having credit card debt. You don't want anything in collections. Uh, you don't want to have, like, if you do have high student loans, uh, you may want to consider um doing an income-based repayment plan because that's going to, it will probably dive a little bit deeper into that a little bit later. But uh, so you have to focus on those two things and then uh, you need to save money for your down payment. Your work history needs to be uh, preferably at the two-year level um, if you're a W-2 employee. And uh, and you have to file your taxes, right? So those are kind of the things that you have to kind of get in place before you're even going to be able to, you know, get pre-approved for a mortgage loan. So you have to start there. And if you need help with any of those things, you need to go and get help instead of trying to do it on your own, which so many people do. And then they spend years waiting and waiting and, and you know accidentally doing the wrong thing. And then they just realize, okay, well, maybe homeownership is just not for me, right? So instead, speak with a professional upfront so that you can get all those answers for, uh, for yourself right away and then start working. What would you say the biggest uh, misconception or you know, um, failure of, of data to be synced up in terms of credit scores or credit history? Like, where do you see the biggest pitfall in terms of the data that's available versus the data that's accessible for people in the industry? Let me see if I... If I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not na- I'm not naming any names, Credit Karma. <laughs> right. So from a credit score perspective, um, there really is only one place that you're going to get your home FICO score, which is from FICO themselves. Right. So when you go to Credit Karma, they use a company called Vantage, which is a company that was created by the credit bureaus. It is independently owned, so they don't run it, but they did create it um, as a competitor to the FICO score. So if you're looking at Credit Karma, a lot of times those scores can be uh, up to about 40 points different from what you see. So if you see 660 on Credit Karma, your score is most likely somewhere around 620, 630, right? Realistically. Uh, sometimes worse. And every now and then, right? I always say even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. So sometimes this score is actually a little bit higher. Uh, but usually it's on the, the lower side. Um, so that's one thing when it comes to, to your credit scoring. Uh, that's going to be something that's different. And then another thing, there's an interesting phenomenon where people feel like um, they don't want to ruin their credit score. So they don't get credit. Like thing so they don't have like, any credit cards no loans no nothing <clears throat> and they pay cash for everything uh, but of course in order to build credit you've got to pay someone and then that person that you're paying has to report that payment to the credit bureau so that's not happening then you're not building any credit whatsoever so that's another misconception that happens and then lastly uh and another big one people believe that you actually have to use your credit card to build credit 
as in like, you know, carry a balance, like a high balance. The more I use it, the higher my score is going to go when in reality, it's the reverse, right? So uh, people are kind of hanging out with low credit scores and they're like, but I'm making my payments on time. I don't understand what I'm doing. And uh, so that's an easy fix, fortunately, but that's another one. So as we're going through this, you know, credit scores is obviously an extremely important piece of the, of the puzzle. There's a lot of free data out there. It's all not always going to be aligning to what lenders will, will pull, right? Uh, so if people have questions, where can they find you um, the best way? Um, so you can call me if you like. Good old-fashioned telephone, um, 703-454-5550. Um, and then my website is www.thisisscribble.com. Um, so that's how people can find me. And from a, a client standpoint, if someone is in California or Texas or Florida or Virginia, does that matter? No. So uh, the way that our program works, um, we, we can help anyone in any state, right? Uh, unless they need credit repair. So anyone that needs genuine credit repair, where we're gonna like send letters to the credit bureaus and remove items from, from credit reports. Uh, the state of Georgia um, has requirements. So in Georgia, you have to actually be uh, a legitimate attorney or a nonprofit organization in order to do credit repair. So uh, since I am not an attorney, um, I cannot uh, perform credit repair in Georgia specifically, but everywhere else is okay. I am based out of Alexandria, Virginia. Um, and what else? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I know just from knowing you for a number of years and, and the way that you guys do business is that, you know, information is just information until you actually put it to use and, you know, credit scores are only just one part of the puzzle. And, and I, I don't really think I know any other credit credit repair, credit agencies that also take the next leap of actually talking about debt to income ratios and actually putting a plan together um, and helping people put money away, budgeting, that that kind of stuff and putting an actual uh, plan in place to get somebody ready to go. Um, you know, if somebody comes through the, the, the process and, you know, puts the time and energy and the work in, can you kind of share that that journey of a few maybe examples or clients that have come through that that process? Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of get the gambit, um, you know, when when people come to us. So initially what we do is we'll just start off with a, a simple conversation over the phone. Uh, if someone has access to their credit reports, great. If they don't, it's okay. Um, but we determine whether or not that client needs credit repair or not first. Uh, if they do need credit repair, then we just bring them on as a client and um, we'll get them started. Once we complete onboarding, we send their first round of letters out and then we sort of schedule their consultations after that. So the consultations that we do for our clients, the first one and the big one is the home buyer education consultation. So that one is the one where we literally just take, again, 90 minutes and we go all the way through, right? I don't care how difficult someone's situation is. And I've, I've seen some really, really difficult situations um, where the client, you know, if they're looking at all this stuff, it's kind of like if, if you're... Um, you walk into the restaurant and the chef says, okay, I need you to prepare this, you know, rock sea bass or whatever, right? Uh, for dinner. And you're like, I have no idea how to cook, right? Like that's about the level of of understanding that they're going to have when you look at that situation. So they may just do nothing, right? And just be like, ah, forget about it. I'm not going to worry about it. So when we sit down with them and we go literally line by line through everything that could potentially be holding them back. And I'll give a couple of examples here in a second then it kind of just gives them that little gleam of hope and then they go to work, right? So a couple of things, uh, for example, let's say if someone comes in and they have no savings whatsoever, they, they just, no money in the bank. Okay, cool. So we'll go through our cash flow calibration system where we will have them look at the past month. So we're in uh, June right now. So uh, we'll look back at May and we just look at everything, right? And we figure out, okay, because we're creatures of habit, it, whatever you did in May, you're probably going to do very similar in June and probably very similar again. So we look at what they spent. We find uh, areas where they can sort of cut their spending. And then they will simply uh, use that new budget to start putting that money aside. And anyone who completes that program, uh, we guarantee that they'll find at least 500 bucks as long as they're working. So if you have a job, 
you should be able to find 500 bucks easy so they I take mean, that money down zero to 500 yeah just like that just just like that just Boom. like that okay yeah. okay that's simple right I like it. but you got to do the work you got to do the work <laughs> so once they go through and they find the money and it really you know they answer some very tough questions for themselves uh then they know how much they can put aside when they can put it aside all that good stuff and then they start saving the money so that handles the savings like a, a down payment or whatever if it's let's say for example debt to income ratio related um there's really only four areas that we focus on so uh the first one's going to be uh, credit card debt so if they have credit card debt same process as before so that they can use that money to pay down the credit card debt if it's loans um that they can refinance they'll refinance if they can pay them off they'll pay them off um and then if it's uh, collection debt, that's where credit repair comes in. Uh, a lot of times we can remove credit, uh, especially third-party debt collector debt, because though that's another story we'll talk about maybe on another day, but uh, that's basically, in my eyes, uh, illegitimate debt, which is why it goes away so often, um, because they basically buy debt that has been charged off, which means that it's been accounted for already, but then they buy it and try to get it from you. So. You, you you tell me if you feel like that's legitimate or not. Um, and then, so we get rid of the collection debt. And then lastly, student loans. Obviously, that's a big deal and a big topic in America right now. Um, but when it comes to uh, student loans, we can help people get on income-based repayment plans or consolidate loans, things of that nature, to make sure that that can also lower their uh, debt-to-income ratio. So just a couple of examples that, uh, well, I guess last one, credit, of course. We can do things like removing late payments, collections, charge-offs, um, negotiating with third-party debt collectors, uh, settling debts, dealing with court cases, right? So there, there's a lot of different things in there um, that we sit down with people with. So question for you. You've got somebody who has a desire to buy a house. They've got some debt that they want to pay off. They may be able to squeeze into a house qual qualifying-wise. You got cash that they're trying to decide what to do with the cash. Do I pay down some debt and then, which means delay the home buying process or buy the house now and then pay the debt off along the way. There's no right or wrong answer. It's all, a lot of times going to be kind of relative. Um, how do you walk somebody through that type of decision-making process in terms of just the numbers and mindset behind uh, those decisions? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, one of the things we do is we're going to say, okay, uh, you know, how much is your rent, right? So they'll say, okay, my rent's 1500 bucks, whatever. So we say, great. So you take that 1500 multiply by 12. That's how much you're paying in rent just to live in your home right now, okay? You're not building any equity. That's just money gone to help someone else. So then we say, okay, if you were to buy your home today, right? And now you're you're at least building equity. You're, you're in the market, um, and now every time you make a payment, you're going to be paying down on your mortgage. So whether the, the, you know, market goes up or down, you're still building equity because you're going to be paying off your mortgage. So if you can get to zero, whatever's left in the house, that's, that's yours, right? So we run those numbers and we say, okay, cool. How much debt do you have? How long is it going to take you to pay off this debt? How much money do you think you have at the end of the month, right? That you can use to pay off that debt. So after we sort of walked them through that concept, and say, okay, cool, which one looks better for you? Is it better to just continue renting, paying off the debt? You're not worried about the house because you, you can't find something maybe that that you really love or, or, right? Like there's nothing out there on the market that's good. Like the best you can do is something that's not going to make you happy kind of thing. Uh, if that's the case, then yeah, cool, keep renting. But more often than not, they're probably just going to go ahead and buy the house first, which is most of the time my recommendation. Buy now get into the home. Once you're in the home, take care of everything else on the backside, right? You can refinance that mortgage later, get the interest rate down. You can pay off the debt, right? All, all these things, as long as you're within your means, I would say get into the home first. Yeah. I wasn't sure how you're going to answer that. Um, <laughs> I mean, cause my, my vantage point, uh, no pun intended, my, 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 my point of view on this is obviously going to be a little skewed you know, cause I'm in the industry and I'm a real estate investor and so, you know, I'm passionate about it. So like I look at it from a certain lens. Um, but you know, knowing when you for a long time, I mean, the way that you talk through this stuff is so pragmatic and so just to the point and you break things down so simply, um, when you've got somebody that's struggling, 
that, you know, maybe they've struggled, struggled, try to get help and it just hasn't worked out. What are some of the things that, that you're seeing that people are struggling with that that's holding them back from being able to get results? Yeah. So to be honest with you, the, the biggest issue that most people face and, you know, I fall in this category myself sometimes um, is that they're just too busy right? Like their day is so sort of crazy packed. Maybe they have kids and after school stuff, and then they got their full-time job and then they still have their partner or their spouse, right? So just finding extra time to just sit down and focus for a second is, is very difficult for a lot of people. So like the vast majority of my clients, I kid you not, the number one thing, uh, we, we even went so far as to create like a little mini course on how to not be so busy uh, because I hear it so often, right? It, it's one of the, the craziest things that I've, I've seen. But people are just so busy. So that's that's the biggest thing. So what I would say for anyone, especially the people you know listening or watching now, is to take time for yourself, right? Like I know, you know, we got to get out there. You want to get money. You want to hustle. You want to do all those things. But sometimes you do need to slow down and just do you, right? Like relax, go get a massage, go hang out for a second just away right so and at the same time when it comes to buying a home you will need to make some changes so when it's time to make those changes sit down and go through your budget if you don't have a budget right now but the easiest thing i can tell anyone just write everything down i have a whole program but if you don't need a pro you don't need a program to just get an idea like write everything down look at how much money you made look at how much money you spent start there money right? in just money out right money in money out You'd be amazed, right, at the difference if you just took some time to do that. So that's the biggest thing that I see is just taking that time um, for themselves and and focusing on what needs to happen. So outside of that, uh, from an outside perspective, the things that people are facing, um, I would say first thing, again, is going to be the credit. Just people don't understand the rules of credit. It's so crazy simple, but just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's like common, like common knowledge, right? So that's why I love my job because I can sit down in a, in a consultation and spend 30 minutes with someone and I can show you how to improve your credit scores, right? 30 minutes, boom. And, and people are like, holy smokes, like this is incredible. So it, it doesn't take a, a, a whole crazy, you know, um, um, amount of time or energy to do it. It's just, you have to get the right knowledge and the right plan. So once you have that, then you're good. So uh, the biggest thing I see is just the lack of knowledge about credit. Um, that's a big one. From um, a building wealth and real estate standpoint, if you were going to try to explain how, why, like why, why, why does it work? Why, why do people who are in real estate, why do they love real estate? Like, how do you explain that to the person that doesn't really know the, know the game yet? Yeah. So let's see. So how does it work? Well, let's start here. So you, the market always goes up, right? We know about inflation. We know about, right, you know, and those types of things. So we're always making more money and people always want more. So until the market crashes and resets itself, uh, it's always going to go up. But then it's going to reset back down and then it's going to go up again, right? So it just it's that continuous cycle of up and down. In any type of investment, it doesn't matter what it is, when the market is down, anyone that comes in is going to make a ton of cash, right? Automatically, because the market is going to rebound and go back up. So if you can catch it on that rebound, you're going to make a whole lot of money. So you buy the home and then whenever you sell the home, right, there's equity in there. But even if you, the market doesn't go anywhere. So I buy a hundred thousand dollar house and then I pay it off. When I sell it, that mortgage is gone. So I still have equity. So there's money that I can use there to do whatever I want. I can borrow against it again if I want to. I can just sell that house and put on another house that's bigger and start the process all over, right? So why get in? That's why. Because instead of just throwing your money away to rent where you're not going to get any money back whatsoever, there's always going to be like, well, unless you happen to have to move when the market's down, right? Which is not always. That's rare. So unless that happens, you should be good. And there's going to be equity in you. You know, you take that and you, again, rinse and repeat. So you can start small, buy this little house over here when you're young, right? These 28-year-olds, or you said 36 now, right? So you buy your house at 36 because people are a little older now. And then by the time you hit 43, right? Most people stay in for seven years. 
you should be able to sell that house and buy a bigger house and have roughly the, a similar mortgage, right? Not not too crazy off, but a bigger home, probably better neighborhood. And then you wait another seven, right? To the 10 years and do it again. And by now, by then, like just ride off to the sunset and, and, and do like you did. Keep those homes even, right? If you want to use borrow against the equity or however you want to do it, get your down payment, get that, and then put someone in that bad boy, you know, and rent it and, and make double. So, uh, however you want to go about it, um, that's why I would recommend that people get in. It just it's the easiest way to make money in America, in my opinion, uh, because you have to live. So yep. you're gonna pay someone to live. You, I don't care what you do, you have to pay to live. So, you rent it, make no money or pay the same money and most of the time less buy it. And now it's yours and you can do with that. What you, what you please. So as you're talking about that, uh, I'm thinking about a story that I had with a client uh, recently and they got me really excited. It's, it's the little things in this industry that get you excited. Um, somebody who's single mom got, a, I think a two-year-old kid and wants to buy a house, got a full-time job, got a part-time job in the same industry and moved in with her parents. And, you know, I know when I was 25 and she's, a little, and she's older than that at this point in her, in her journey. But I know when I was 25, like I didn't want to, I was living in my parents' house still, but I, I want to get out so, so much, so powerfully because like, then I was, now I was an adult and I can go party and go do the things I want to do and be, be cooler because I don't live in mom's house. Right. Yep. Um, but she did this very intentionally and she's stockpiling cash <laughs> so she can buy a house. And like right. hearing that story, just get, it gets me excited. Um, and yeah. that's just me. So no, me too. That's great. Let's say you got somebody who's 22, 23, 24. Yep. What would be an example of something that would just get you pumped up and excited to hear that they're doing X, Y, Z at that stage in, in their, in their journey. So I have a 19 year old. Right. Um, and I'm so proud uh, of what he's doing. But uh, I think at that age, if like the first thing I would recommend, right, because, you know, they, they don't have too many bills just yet. So a lot of their money is just sort of extra. Right. And one would think, yeah, just just save it. Right? You just save it and it's going to be good. Um, so he has an investment account uh, where he's, he's, you know, putting money into the uh a retirement account so that he'll be able to, you know, invest it. And by the time he hits, uh, I think they said, uh, I want to say 80 or whatever the projection was with, you know, they run all the numbers, uh, it'll be close to like, you know, a few million dollars or something if he, if he stays and just leaves the money and pays that much every month. Right. Uh, so I said, here, this is a bill that you'll have. It's just like your cell phone bill or any other bill. It's just there. Forget about it. Right. Before you get any other bills, you get your house, you get your, because, you know, once you get older, you got to find money. So young people don't have to find money. They have money. They have to find ways to spend their money, right? So uh, first thing, invest it, okay? Invest it, whether it be, you know, um, uh, of course, he has a job, so 401k. Um, uh, just get a, um, I forget what he, what he, he works with an investor. So I know nothing about investing because I'm not an investor. But uh, it's like a money management account or something like that, they call it. Uh, but again, it's just very aggressive early. Love it. And he also has a um, uh, $250,000 uh, whole life in, uh, insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So same thing. So that's for those who don't know what a uh, whole life is, you have whole and term, right? So with a, a whole life insurance, you pay the money. It's way more expensive than term, um, but you get to borrow against that money. So, you know, let's say by the time he hits, he hits retirement, 40 plus years from now, um, same thing. There's going to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that are going to be in this account that if he wanted to, he could just pull it out if he wanted. I don't recommend that to him. I told him, leave it there. But it's there, right? If he ever needed to. So by the time he gets to retirement, he's going to have this, you know, nice investment account plus a whole life insurance account that he can borrow against. Uh, whereas a term life, of course, they usually they do like 30 years. We're probably not going to die within those 30 years, which is why it's so cheap, Right. So after 30 years, bam, it ends. Then you have to start another one and it's going to be way more expensive and not as much, right? So uh, so I always recommend a whole, a whole life insurance for anyone. So those two things, the investment account and the whole, uh, whole term life insurance policies, 
for any young person. If those are the first two things that they do, puts a very big smile on my face because that's something awesome. that they're going to be used to at the very beginning of their life where it's not going to be like this new expense that they have to think of. They have all this extra money already. It's just something that they can easily pay for. So as they start adding things, they're not going to cut that first. It's just there. It's always been there. They're used to paying it. It's out of sight, out of mind. What, uh, if, if you want to share like for the whole life insurance policy, like what's a range of dollars going in for that age bracket? to get started? Uh, I believe he pays, uh, I want to say it's uh, $250 per month Cool. that he puts in. Yeah. Cool. And he's doing the same thing for his investments, I believe. I believe that's also $250. So $500 bucks a month uh, is just going into investments and life insurance. And it's just there. And I told him he can never cancel it, ever. I will do very bad things to him. <laughs> so... Okay, now I want to switch gears here for a second. What's sure. what's going to happen with rates? What what are rates going to do? I'm I'm just asking people this question because it's just such an interesting topic. Uh, uh, it's a hot topic. So, what's your guess by the end of the year? Yeah. What's the Fed so going to do? The with rates? Yeah, here's the deal. So the rates, the rates, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they're all about supply and demand. Okay, that's all it is. It's supply and demand because. If you think about it, if I am, uh, I mean, um, if you have like a toll road, right? I, most people have tolls in their state. Uh, and, you know, it's the ones where if you get on it and there's like no one on the road, it's like practically free, right? It might cost you a dollar, two dollars to ride on it, but no one's on the road, so it's fine. But then you see that same road at rush hour and it costs you like 15 bucks, right? That's the rate. So you can literally you like take that and equate that to the rates in mortgage. So what we're seeing right now is that buyers are still very hungry to buy. So there's still multiple offers, which means that it's still very much a seller's market. And because the demand is so high, I think it's going to be next to impossible to lower rates anywhere near where it was, right? Like like forget zero for a while. I don't think, or, or even 1% or 2%. I think that's going to be like, a few years down the road, if anything. You're talking uh, about Fed funds rate right now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, I think uh, until we see the market shift back the other way, I think the rates stay either where they are and may even go up. Uh, because the whole idea here is that we need people to stop wanting to buy, right? Too many people want to buy, not enough homes to sell because people aren't moving right now. Um and it's a problem. Now, here's an interesting phenomena uh, that uh, is out there. So what just, what big, crazy event just happened, right, a few years ago? I'm talking about the, the pandemic? Pandemic, right? Okay. COVID. Okay. Yep. So COVID happens. Credit scores tank all over the place, right? People lost jobs. People can pay, you know, for, for their cell phone bill. They can pay their mortgage. They can pay this. They can pay that. It's, jobs got cut like crazy. Businesses were hoping that they would stay, you know, keep the doors open. Um, so while all this is happening, a lot of these people were homeowners. But guess what a homeowner needs if they want to buy a house? Credit, cash, income. Still need credit. Yep. They have yep. the money. They got plenty of equity. Man, Okay. from covid Holy smokes. And you've seen people saw like, you know, uh, what, what was it? Like 75% increases, right? In, in in equity. Like it was insane. So everyone's sitting on this big stockpile of cash in their home because of the, the market and the way that it is, but no one can go out and buy another home because their credit's still really messed up from COVID. So we have this like conundrum that we're kind of stuck between right now. Yeah. Uh, where it's like people want to buy but they can't because their credit scores are messed up. But then people also want to sell <laughs> so that they can also go buy, but they also can't. So there's just this big like backlog of people wanting to buy, but there's nothing to buy because no one's selling. No one can sell. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's a really, it's a, it's a, like an Ouroboros just kind of, feed, you know, eating itself as it goes, you know? You know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, the construction of homes is is not catching up. The supply is not going to come from that. I mean, I think I saw some stats that there was a increase in some uh, mortgage rates 
you know, year over year, something like that, maybe some increases in foreclosure, but like, I don't think it would like percentage wise, it was decent, but like the number, the raw numbers were still nothing crazy. Cause we were talking about low numbers, you know, comparing it to a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see that supply changing. Right. I mean, that, that data doesn't, doesn't really back that up. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, and so that's why I say that we're going to sit here for a minute. Um, and now here's what I'll say though, because I think the old saying goes, uh, uh, the best time to buy a home was like 20 years ago. The second best time to buy a home is right now, right now, <laughs> right? no matter what. And so, so no matter what, even in the crazy markets, if you're able to buy a home, it's still best to go ahead and buy the home, even though it's going to be a little harder now. Yes. It's a little tougher. Yes. A little bit more expensive. Yes. But at the end of the day, is it still better than renting? Absolutely. So it, it's tough, but you should still do it. Yeah. And one kind of going back to one of the things you first said, you know, getting into the process of buying a house, getting your things in order, whether it be credit, income savings, all that stuff. You're by by wanting to purchase a house, you do extra actions to get ready to go. And then you do it and you buy the house and like then you're there. Like getting in the game changes the way you look at life. Yeah. Your finances. Everything's everything's different. And like, you know, real estate versus the stock market, like you can't panic sell real estate where you can panic right. sell your stock that you know right. apple stock that that was dipping back in 2013 and you missed it anyway um I know, right? it's, it's a different game it's a slow game right like yeah. it's a slow growth you know you you can't make a rash decision so to speak yep. um in the impossible game, right <laughs> impossible so like like that's one of the things i always talk about too is you know it changes the way you look at life and um the decisions that you make and you know, once you're in the game, if you can get in the game and you can get the next one, the next one, the next one over, over 10 years, over 20 years, and you fast forward the clock, 20, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to think that that far down the road when you're 22 or 25 or even 35. But if you do, you know, you're, if you're, if you're, if you're in the game with 25 and you have a couple of properties right now, you're 10 years ahead of the next person that's getting yeah. at 36. <laughs> exactly. Like that, that's, what's mind boggling about it. Cause like right now see, it's, it's the hardest time we, and we said this before the hardest time for a first-time home buyer to get into the game. Like cash buyers are coming in, outbidding people by 30, 40, 50K on yep. this price. But if you can get in the game, you got you may have a head start. Huge. Huge. So kind of going in, in, in another different gear, running running a business, right? Um, yeah. You know, websites, marketing, you know, operations, systems. Any, any advice that you would give to an aspiring entre- entrepreneur I mean, because you, you started this business, right? Like you went on your yeah. own, you know, yeah. any advice or thoughts you give to somebody that uh, maybe wants to do a side hustle with the dreams of turning their side hustle, maybe into a full hustle. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, man, I, I did everything backwards. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad, and I'm kind of glad that I did. Right. Cause you know, sometimes they say that your mess is your message. Right. So I did everything backwards. So here, here's my, my blueprint, so to speak, to anyone who's thinking about getting into business, regardless of what that business is. Okay, step one, write it down. What do you want to do, right? Some people will say, you know, get out there and research and do this and do that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Forget all the research. You're just going to kick your tires around and, you know, it's going to take too long. Write it down. What do you want to do? Who do you want to help? So I'll use credit repair as an example since that's where I started, right? So... Uh, basically when it comes to business and this is what kind of was the light bulb like thing that worked for me that actually allowed me to to grow the business so when i started uh, i took this like one dollar upsell course and all it said was your person that you want to help is right here letter a right where they want to go is letter b and then everything in between that is your service okay now everything the client has to do so your job is to understand every step from A to B, top to bottom, right? And then all the pitfalls that are in there are what people are paying you for. So the more pitfalls, the harder it is, the more money they're going to pay you to solve it. It's quite simple. So when people come to me and they say, okay, credit is my issue. Okay, cool. Well, what does someone need to do in order to improve their credit scores? Well, there's five categories that make up the credit score. And each one of those categories has very specific rules. So first thing you do, learn the rules, okay? Then tell people, hey, here's how you fix your credit. Let me work with you. I want to show you how to do it. And as I started working with people, you start to get questions. 
right? Now that we're doing the work. So no research. Notice all I did was learn the rules. And then I said, let me help you. I did it completely free, right? I took 85 clients completely free. I don't recommend you doing 85. Clients. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want, because it was credit and it was like, you're dealing with people's finances. If I mess something up, I did not want to get sued, right? I was like, listen, you're going to do this and you just got to trust that if I mess it up, I'm my bad. I'm sorry, right? But if it goes well, it's going to be really great for both of us. Um, and it went well, it was fine. Uh, but I, I took that and every single day, someone would ask me a question. Hey, what do I do with these student loans? I don't know. <laughs> Let me get back to you. And I will go and do the research, right? And now that I do the research and I come back with an answer and we fix it, cool, done. Then I got my next client and they say, oh, I have these late payments. What are we going to do about them? I'll be back. <laughs> I went over and I figured out how to fix the late payments. Okay, cool. Here's what we got to do. Boom. Okay, now we're good. Fix that. The next person, hey, I've got this repossession. What do we have to do? I'll be back, right? And that's how we grew the company. We just kept saying, okay, let me work with you. Let me work with you. And then we just wrote down all the problems that our people had. And here we are, right? So if you're an aspiring uh, entrepreneur, you want to solve a problem, just get in there and start helping people. You do not have to be perfect. Just let them know that you're not perfect. It's okay, right? This is what I want to do. This is my career. This is like, I want to, to help. I see this problem exists and I want to help you solve it. Work with me to solve this problem. Okay, great. Here we go. And we started small and then we kind of grew and then here we are. So that's the first thing. Understand that your business is solving problems from A to B. Know the entire process. Just know how to fit, like know what they have to do. Then get in there and beg someone to let you do it. Right? And then get all of the problems. You want to solve every single problem that someone is going to face. If you're doing that, they're going to pay you. Promise you. And the bigger the problems, the more they're going to pay you. That's awesome. And then last thing, hire someone. <laughs> You're not going to do it on your own. Don't don't go solo, right? You, as soon as you get enough money, there's plenty of VAs out there, you know, whether it's from the Philippines or, you know, from um, Asia or Africa, wherever, right? Plenty of, of people that will work with you for, you know, pennies on a dollar for what people will uh, require in America. So when you're starting out, you know, outsource, get some help, get a virtual assistant as early as you can. I don't care if you're like brand new and you're like, man, I barely know what I'm doing myself. Cool. Bring them on. Y'all learn together. If you have four, uh, you have two hands, you have another person with you. Now you have four hands, two minds working together, solving problems. You double your time, you double your output. It just, it makes everything better. So that's my second piece, which is hire as quickly as possible. Don't be scared. Like take the leap and hire. Can you give an example of something that that either outsourced or what what part of the process or pieces of the puzzle were you able to outsource along the way? So if you think about this correctly, as a business owner, right, not as an employee, because employees go to work and we always work every day, right? Uh, as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, your job is to not work as much as possible. No, tell that to an entrepreneur. And we're like, bro, we work like 80 hours a week. What are you talking about? Don't work. Uh, our job is to think. That's our job, right? So once you know the process, detail it, create systems, processes, job aids, whatever you want to call it, um, to where you can give that job aid to someone else and say, here, you do this part of this process, right? So hopefully at some point, I'll be able to completely take myself out and I'll just have right my team doing everything, top to bottom. Um, that's where I want to go. And I can just be out here doing things like this and educating people and spreading the word and doing those types of things. Um, so uh, for my business specifically, all of the admin uh, is pretty much out of my hands. Um, I am not very good at admin. I'm just I'm just not. Uh, if I have to do paperwork, I'll have it to you tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> right. Whereas my assistant, uh, he'll do it in like two minutes. So. That that that's my uh my my team's job is pretty much to uh, uh handle all of the paperwork and all the background stuff. I handle all of the client facing things. So anytime someone needs to talk to a credit specialist, then they talk to me. Uh, but if it's something where you know they can just text it and ask some basic questions, send exchange information, that kind of thing, my team can handle it. So from a a business standpoint, kind of with where things are right now. What's what's the the next step for the business? What's the next piece of the puzzle that you need to be able to take the next step of growth? 
Yeah, so thanks to ChatGPT, um, loving it. Um, we're now setting up uh, all of our email campaigns, right? It, it's been on the back burner for like a very long time. We have some that we use, uh, but nothing like what we have right now. Um, because now ChatGPT can act as a uh, content creator and it goes into the world of AI and pulls out all this data and it writes these glorious emails, right? They're actually like, and it's the right information. Like that's the crazy part. Like, you know, I, I know it's like Google on steroids basically, right? Where you can have a conversation with all kind of stuff. So you go in there and you say, you know, act as a uh, um, content creator for a home buyer education company and um, create 100, uh, a, a list of 100 topics um, to share with your audience. And then boop, 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 it seems like, you know, 100. And then you take that and you say, okay, cool, create an email on this topic. Boom, create an email, right? All the way down. And now you have 100 wonderful emails that you just go in there and do very basic editing on. Yeah. Um, and it's it's incredible. So now we have that. And then we just put our call to action at the bottom. Um, our call to action, we just go straight to appointments. We used to book the appointment, um, but now we just have people text us, right? So just text me. So if you need help, text me. So you would just text us. And then we can just start having that conversation right there. It's amazing, right? So I didn't have that before ChatGPT, and now we do have that. And uh, so any any business owner that doesn't have that, I would highly recommend getting your email campaigns laid out now, because ChatGPT won't be free forever, right? They will start right. charging. This is just the like, you know how the people who like got in with Apple are like millionaires, and the people who write all these early adopters. Anyone who's in business today is the luckiest person on earth because ChatGPT will, uh, it'll help you lay out your program, that whole steps, all the steps that you need. It'll lay it out for you. You just ask it to. Hey, if I were going to go and buy a house, what are the steps that I need to take? Oh, sure. You got to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Okay. Can you tell me more about step one? Oh, sure. This, 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 this. Oh, wow. I don't understand what you mean by approval what's a mortgage approval oh a mortgage approval is boom 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 right this thing is incredible so if, than it's like having, having a, a free coach right now right and it will, again it won't be I, they could charge a lot of money for this thing if they wanted to. insane yeah. money well and, and it's just, it. <laughs> right like like facebook in the in the very beginning didn't have any ads like you know yep. and now now obviously you know those companies make yep. billions of dollars, but yeah, <laughs> at some point they're going to flip the switch. It's just a matter, matter of when. Yeah. So anyone who's fresh right now, please start learning about AI, chat GPT, start building out your course. If you don't have one yet, build out your email marketing campaigns right now because it's free and it's easy and it's effective. You see what I'm saying? It creates the email. Yeah. You put your call to action at the end, however you want it. You know, if you're not, like I said, if you're not, Landing page savvy, don't make a landing page. Text me. Hey, if you need help, text credit consultation. And people text credit consultation because they need help. Right? And that was free. It's insane. What what if I said to you, every single working American was able to structure their lives and either add an extra thousand bucks of income or cut five hundred bucks of expenses and save 500 bucks. Every single person was able to do something in their life to go up on income and save or cut to save. What would that, what would that do for this entire country? If, if that happened across the board to all working Americans? Oh man, uh, life would happen. Life would happen. A, a different because, life would happen. A new life yeah, would happen. Life for every single individual, right? Because at the end of the day, a thousand dollars Right, money is access, right? Money is access. So if someone had an extra thousand dollars, that's more stuff that they could do. And remember, in, in somewhere in this conversation, I said people just need to stop and calm down and take time for themselves. A thousand dollars, you can go and get that massage. A thousand dollars, you can go and you know, take your family out to a movie. You can take a vacation. You right. So there's so much living that you would be able to do if you were to do that. And then of course, if they're able to take five hundred and save, preferably invest then now, you know, oh, unless you don't have a home, right? Buy the home first, then invest. Um, but either way, right, you're, you're investing. Um, I, I think the whole country looks different. 
I think people slow down. I think, you know, if you've got that time to just relax, you don't have to work as hard, right? I think we're, we're pushing ourselves too hard, I think, uh, as, a, as a country, right? I think Americans, we love to work. We love to, to do better, which is why we're winning, right? Let's be real. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place a Global standpoint, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's okay. a wonderful place to be. But. So how do you go from increasing savings Maybe because I, I, I'm a big believer, at least on this platform, you know, and you and I have talked about this. Um, if you can build a side hustle or take your current job, your skill, and then maybe do one other thing on the side to be able to add value to the open marketplace and make some extra money, build more skills. And like you were mentioning before, using some pretty cool AI tools is just an example mm -hmm. to be able to make things simpler and easier. Um, that makes yourself more valuable at your current job for the future. Uh, those kind of things. Um, but if people did that, let, let's just say 30, like what would it take for 30% of Americans to go down that path and find some type of efficiencies somewhere, increasing income or savings? What would it take for 30% of people to do that? How so, long, what efforts, what resources? Yep. I, I really believe, and this is going to just make not be what you're expecting. It might be, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah. um, but it's probably gonna be different from what most people are expecting. I would say read more, read more, right? Because the way, like we're human beings and a lot of people like, and I, I think we talked about this on our last conversation. A lot of people, like we like to say that this person is smart and that person is smart, right? This person is so smart. Elon Musk is a genius, right? He's not. He'll tell you he's not a genius. The difference is, is that Elon Musk has read his entire life since he was two. He said he's, he, was, he has an old picture where he's like surrounded by books. His parents were always forcing him to read and read and read and read and read. And he still does this to this day. And because he has so much knowledge, the way that he sees the world is different from how you and I see the world. Right. If you can imagine a symbol, the dollar sign, we understand what that dollar sign is. But if you took someone from, let's say, like a... a the jungle somewhere who's no no concept of money whatsoever and they saw that same dollar sign they're not going to react the same way that you would right because your, your your perspective is different from the information that you're taking in you see a dollar sign they just see a symbol yeah, it's a symbol and they go about their day right so the more you read and open yourself up to information the more input you're taking the better output you're going to have automatically Right. If you're an angry person and you started learning about anger management, like you're just reading a ton of books on anger management, eventually you wouldn't be angry. You just wouldn't. Right. Because you're going to catch yourself. As soon as it happens, you go, oh, nope, I know what to do. Experts say, do this whenever this happens. And then you try it and it works and you go, wow. Okay, cool. So what you're saying is if I've got this thing, anger management as an example, if I read every single day, Five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, whatever you pick the the, the time frame. Yep. I read this every single day. Sooner or later, it's going to work itself to be a better, a better solution or a better scenario. Just by automatically by default. Yep. Just naturally, I because what's going to happen is eventually you're going to read something that's going to work for you. There's plenty of information out there, right? And not everything works. So you you might read one anger management book and it, you don't get anything from it. But then one thing you read that actually is what you're facing, and then you go, oh, yeah, right? And so anytime you have a problem in life, the same way that we used to go in with our clients, and we just say, hey, let me work with you. Let's do this, right? And then we look for the pitfalls, and then they would just fix those pitfalls. The same thing happens for you in your life. When you go and you're saying, okay, well, I have a problem with losing weight. Okay, cool. So go read about how to lose weight. Just see what's out there. See what other people have done, right? Uh, I think it was... Um, Ty Lopez, who said, uh, books allow you to stand on the shoulders of giants, mm. right? Because mm. these are the people that have already done what you're trying to do. So instead of trying, right, trying and hoping you can figure it out, instead, it's already been done. You just go, right? So it's quite simple. So reading more and more and more and finding what, what's going to work for you and just don't stop till you find the right thing. Don't stop till you find the right thing. Okay. okay. And uh, uh, and I think the the way that I, it's really funny. Um, 
So Ty Lopez is, uh, I always tell people, Ty Lopez taught me how to read, right? Uh, because he has this reading program that he teaches in, and here's how it works. He says, okay, uh, pick three books. You're going to read three books a day, right? Every day. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, one right before you go to bed. One is going to be uh, technical, meaning about your job. Uh, one's going to be sort of uh, motivational. And then one's going to be a biography, right? That's it. So those three types of books, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in at night. So the motivational in the morning, get your day going. The technical in the afternoon, because your mind's on work. And then right before bed, a biography, okay? So three minutes a day for each one. That's three, all you can read. Three minutes. Three minutes. Set a timer. Say, go, pick up that first book, start reading. When that timer goes off, close the book, put it up. Oh, no. I mean, That's it. I, I get it. I get it. But if, if if you are out there listening to this this far at, you know, pushing an hour here, <laughs> and you haven't heard me talk about the two-minute rule from James Clear, Atomic Habits, which is pretty similar, it sounds like. <laughs> Turn on a timer for three minutes and then stop. Like, yep. that defies all logic. <laughs> Tell me more. It does. It does, right? <laughs> but here's the deal. So I did it, right? I was like, okay, cool. Three minutes a day, three books. I can do that. No problem. So I had the book right next to my bed. And morning, boop, wake up, timer. Boom, right? And I would do that. And eventually what happens is, for people who don't read, uh, you eventually get hooked, right? Because as you're, you're reading, you go, holy smokes, like this is actually really good information. This is a really good story. I know I'm supposed to stop at three minutes, but that's not enough for me. Okay, let me go to four minutes a day. I'll just do, oh, maybe five minutes. I'll do five minutes a day. Okay, cool. So then I did five minutes. Okay, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Oh, but this is so good. It's so interesting. Okay, I got to do a little bit. All right, all right, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. All right, 10, 10, 10, 10. And I got hooked on reading. It came out of nowhere. I hated to read. But I tried this little thing that he put out there, and I kid you not, I, I started just any free time I had, I would just be reading. And then the rest is history. Right? So well, you I, want I, what I you can't have. Thing. You want what you can't have. That's probably a part of it, right? Um, you know, mastering the art of showing up is kind of, I think, what James Clear says too, which is, yep. I mean, it's easy to do, but it's also easy not to do kind of a thing right I mean, it's easy to read their minutes but it's also easy not to you know because it just sounds so easy like why is it why does it matter i can i can skip one day right yep. i love that i don't know so, it was really easy I, I don't know i was i was very committed to it i had just finished like the 67 steps program that was his thing and uh that's really what kind of opened my eyes to a lot uh which has allowed me to finally become you know successful in doing this is because i again when you're taking input you view the world differently so who I was then versus who I am now is two completely different things. And the same thing goes for you and anyone else. You wake up the day and that's why they say, you know, get 1% better. Well, if I'm reading every day and taking on new information every day, it doesn't have to be a big aha that's like crazy big. I told you that $1 upcharge like blew my mind, right? One little, one little piece, but I understood it because I'd read so much before and it, it was already started to kind of make sense. And then eventually it was like, oh, I get it now. That's that's what a business is. Okay, so basically, I'm just taking every step that a person would really do, and I'm just filling in the gaps. Got it. Okay. So, and how would you explain your belief level? You know, five years ago, ten years, whatever metric versus now, by talking about reading the books and doing these other processes. Like, how did you? How would you explain that difference? Yeah. So you know how uh, when you see an ad come up on uh, Facebook and that ad leads to a landing page and they're trying to sell you something. Uh, old me would be like, these people are always trying to get your money. Like they're just fake gurus anyway. They don't really know what they're talking about. Like it's right. And that was always my belief for like the longest time. And I don't know why, I think I was at such a low place in my real estate career. When I, I finally bought Ty Lopez's program, that was the first one I ever bought. It cost me 67 bucks. I remember he said something in the ad and I was like, it was exactly what I was feeling at the time. And uh, so I was like, fine, I'll watch. And it's like a 45 minute webinar. And uh, I remember I was like, okay, he's, he's going to sell me something now. I know it. I was like, I'm not spending more than 20 bucks, right? And so as he's talking, he's getting ready to, you know, he's giving all the add-ons. And I was like, all right, 40, I'll spend 40. I'm not going higher than 40. And it came up with $67. And I was like, oh, like, I really don't want to spend this money. I was like, but whatever, I'll try, right? I'd never tried one before. I was like, I'll try it. And that thing was so crazy good 
that now I would easily pay someone 10 grand. I know people who spend, you know, 50 grand on a, on a program. If that program is going to easily allow you to recoup that money, spend it. Right. So don't be scared. Not everyone online is a fake guru. Most of the most of the time, from in my experience, like I don't, I don't think I've ever bought a bad program, like one that was just tried. I don't think I've ever bought one. All of them have helped me in some way, shape, or fashion do the thing that I wanted to do. So don't be scared. Like invest your money in yourself and get out there and do it. That was the biggest thing because I was afraid for a long time. And especially I, I've paid over five grand for a couple of them. And uh, I remember the first time I had to like pitch it to my wife, right? And uh, and she was not having it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and I really should have done it that first time, but I was like, okay, fine, I'm not gonna do it. So then the other guy came up and uh, his name is Grant Wise. I think I paid like seven grand or something. And, uh, and I didn't even ask, right? I just did it. And I was like, after I did it, I just told her, I was like, listen, I said, if this doesn't work, I was like, then you can, you can, you know, yeah. chastise me and do whatever. <laughs> but I basically learned how to run Facebook ads before Facebook ads were easy to run. And um, I remember the very first lead I generated uh, bought a home with me and I got the whole seven grand back. Right. That's awesome. Just like that. So it's one of those things where like sometimes you just have to, you have to do, you know, like trust yourself. Like if you get that feeling in your body, like, I feel like I should do this. You probably should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like by doing the work, taking the chance, you open up doors, you learn a lot, whether it be failures or successes, you're learning something for sure. Absolutely. Um, I know we're kind of winding up on time. Um, what are some of the the next goals for 2023 to kind of just put out there? Yeah. So uh, goals for, for me, like, in, in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so basically uh, where I am right now uh, with my company, we are uh, trying to expand because uh, the the whole mission for my company is really to become the backbone for the real estate industry. So uh, we spent the whole past year sort of building our um, referral network and uh, affiliate partnerships and whatnot. Um, and uh, we wanted to get over 150 and we did. So we, we are at a little over 160 now. Uh, I'm so sorry, now 150 we, what? Uh, partners. partners. Okay. So yep. yeah, people that will send us a referral, um, and you know, to help their clients and whatnot. So now that we have, you know, enough, um, individual partnerships, we are now expanding. So, uh, we're actually going after full scale brokerages, mortgage offices, um, and whatnot, um, government programs, uh, and things of that nature to kind of, uh, sort of grow exponentially. Um, because now we, again, by asking so many questions and, and asking people to share, you know, their processes and see where the pitfalls are and all those things, we've learned a ton. And so now we know what the problems are. Like, I don't care who I'm talking to. I can, I can confidently say that there's probably not anyone in America that's going to be able to, you know, resolve a credit issue or, uh, help someone get into a home any better than I would. Uh, they may be able, they may be as good, right? You know, Kobe versus Michael. Okay, who's better? Does it really matter? Right. Right. That's, if you that's had the right Kobe answer. and I had Michael, they cancel each other out. So what? <laughs> right. It's okay. So I, I think we're we're comfortable enough there to say that we we got it. So now we're trying to really expand um, uh, our size. So uh, that that's the that's kind of the goal now. So we did 150 individual partnerships. Um, you know, taking on 100. Uh, you know, brokerages, uh, so to speak, would be the next year goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, talking about this stuff, you know, credit, buying a home, real estate, the form, the formula is out there. The the information it's out there. Yep. Just got to find the right people to help you walk you through it. Find the right programs. Find the right, you know. Because it's yep. not at the end of the day, there's so much information out there. It's hard, sometimes hard to be able to sift through to get to the right stuff. So just now, again, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I was gonna say, lo and behold, that is what professionals are for, right? <laughs> right. I, I've 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 had well over a thousand right conversations about buying a home and credit and you know all these things. So I've seen all the problems, right? We we've done all the research, we've done all the homework, we have all the the resources. 
So the reason why you go to the doctor is because the doctor has spent his whole life or her whole life learning about how to fix a bone, right? I don't want to have to go and figure it out. Like I just go to him. So that's what professionals are for. Again, that the money is access. The money is access. access. So yeah. uh, I think the easiest way I say it is um, we go do what we love, our job, to make money, right? So while we're working, you should love your job. Hopefully you like what you're doing. So you're enjoying it. So you get the money and then you spend that money doing what you love for fun, right? So you're doing what you love and getting money. And then you're doing what you love when you're spending your money. So that's how you should be viewing your money. So if you got to go read and research on this credit stuff and you hate credit or you hate reading, you're, you're, why? You'd have way more fun just paying someone and yo, you go do this. I'm going to be over here on the beach somewhere or like doing what I love to do at work. And like, I'm good. Like, that's how you have to look at it. Yep. I can't wait to come back on here again, talk more stuff, um, you know, goals, families helped, maybe even get, see where rates are going to be in, a, in in six months or a year. Because okay. if right. rates are, are lower in a year, I mean, house prices are going to probably going to be higher by how much. Exactly. Exactly. It's, That's it's, my it's point. Right <laughs> so, but Jonas, th- thank you so much for making time. I'm looking forward to catching up again very soon. Uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate you having me on, Joe. Thanks, Jonas. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Strive for 25 podcast. If you're ready to jumpstart your financial journey and take it to the next level, you may want to join our 30-day habit challenge, which you can find on our website, strivefor25.com, strive, F-O-R, the number 25.com. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram by searching strive for the number 25. And if you have any questions, and want to reach out to us, you can also connect with us on our website. Thank you so much.